more, go to our website or visit SamaritansPurse.org. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bayer Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church or if you are worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Good morning. Pray that you are having the best day ever. When I woke up this morning, I was just glad to be awake, to give God glory, to thank him for allowing me to have another day. You feel that way? Yeah. If this is your first time here and you're in the room, as you leave the celebration room, to your left you'll find a welcome center. Please join a pastor or a staff member there, and we'll welcome you in a very special way. If you're new and you're online, please click the New Here tab. We'll ask for some information, and later during the coming weeks, Pastor Bill and his team will reach out to you. If you're seated at a chair and or if you're seated at a table, you will find a connect card there. We ask that you complete the connect card for you and everyone else that's with you. We also ask as you're completing the connect card, please consider putting a prayer concern on the card. We meet throughout the week confidentially to pray over your request. And we take very seriously the honor of being able to do that for our brothers and sisters. If you're online, um, there is a Connect tab. Please complete that tab. And we also ask that you complete a prayer request, even if it's just, well, no, I don't want to say even if it's just, especially if it is only a praise. We, We pray over praises, too. we're joyful we should sing praises if things are going good give thanks to god for it. good morning everybody wonderful to see all of you here glad that you're online with us this morning and uh, praying together is one is is perhaps uh, and it, the i don't know it's not the only way but it's the way we communicate with god and we also take the the grace of god the love of god the power of god and spread it throughout throughout our world prayer is powerful and uh, so we take seriously praying for one another. So that's very important. One of the other things that we take seriously is giving. God g- created each one of us with a purpose, with skills, with talents, with interests, with passions. Uh, and he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can uh, fulfill the work that he has for us in our world. So we want to practice generosity. You've got an envelope uh, here in the room or if you're online, you can give Online, But if you fill out the envelope or the prayer cards uh, or the connect cards, place them in the basket before you leave the baskets that are by the doors. Let's remind each other of the principles that we follow of generosity. And, and today we're looking at principle number one of ten. So I ask you to read this with me, if you would, please. We strive to give God's will priority over money. And here's a scripture verse that teaches that. Let's read this together. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, 
and He will give you everything you need. Everything. Let's trust Jesus' teaching to us and what He's telling us to do as we live generously. Uh, Whatever it is we have, let's ask God, how do you want me to use this for your sake, for your glory? doesn't matter, God. You're going to provide everything I need. You've given me some extra this, some extra energy, some extra skill. I don't know what it is. But let's ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? So your will takes priority over all things we have. Let's continue worshiping the Lord. I invite you to stand as you're here and and able. And uh, let's pray as the team continues to lead us in worship. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your love that you give to us. You have given lavishly to us. And help us give our lives as an offering to you. Our whole life. That's what you want us to do. And when we give of ourselves to you and to others, you take care of everything else. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Last week we sang a new song together that we had not sung in this room before. You may or may not have heard it, but it's a song that talks about our ability to run to the Father, a Father whose arms are open and we can come to Him again and again and again and again. I have carried a burden for too long on I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go, to let it all go. I see it now, I'm laying it down, and I know that I need you. I run to
thank you that the invitation is there over and over and over again for us to come to you. God, you are a father who welcomes his children back. So, Lord, we, as the scripture says in the Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God. You are worthy to be praised. So we do that today. With all the creation, we lift up praise to you. Both the, for, I'm gonna, I just want to take a second for both those of you that are in the house and those of you that are watching online. We're having a little technical difficulty with our screens and our lyrics today. So I just want to invite you to just worship the Lord in whatever way you, you want to. If you want to kneel at your seat while we're worshiping, if you want to come to the front and kneel, if you want somebody to pray with you right now, uh, people are available to do that. But let's just continue to worship the Lord. Creation sings His praises. Amen. So today we declare, so will I. Because as Jesus said in the New Testament, if we don't praise Him, the very rocks will cry out in praise. And I don't know about you today, but I don't want any rocks taking my place today. So let's worship Him today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.
us or forsake us. Every precious, every precious one, a child that he died to save. Talked about it in here before, but we could generalize it and say Jesus died for us. But I think it's so much more meaningful for us to say Jesus died for me. The sacrifice that we're going to remember in a few minutes around the table of the Lord was done for me. For you, not not just for us in a general sense, but for each individual one. And I don't know, maybe you're in this room or maybe you're watching this online and you, you feel lonely today. You feel like there's no one. You feel like there's no one supporting you. You feel like there's no one coming alongside you. You feel like there's no one with you. But I want to promise you that God is with you. His sacrifice was for you. Not just for us. And in those moments where you feel like you're all alone, know that God is with you. Because He promised to always be there. And so, Lord, today we lift our voice with all of creation and we give praise to You. We honor You. We glorify You. We magnify You. We ask You, Lord, for our pastor. We pray that Your anointing would rest on him. I'm going to invite, as I'm continuing to pray, I'm going to invite April to come and join me on the platform just so you folks that have children that are going to kids' ministry can recognize who she is. Father, we pray that Your anointing would rest on April and her team as they minister to our kids, on Pastor Roger as he brings a message to us. And God, we pray that our hearts would be open and receptive to receive from You God, bless us as we worship you today and as we give praise and honor to your name. It's in that name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Families with children, you can send your kids with uh, Miss April. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. They're going to stay. It's communion Sunday. So I messed that up. So you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping. Again, I commend you for coming, (laughs) for showing up. Even if you're online, I commend you for showing up this morning and coming into the presence of God. And we felt the presence of God here this morning. And I trust that online you're also feeling the presence of God because God is present all over, anywhere. And it's good to gather in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
On Wednesday this past week, I had the, the joy and the privilege of giving a devotional to the children who are part of our uh, before and after care program. And these are school-age children. The bus shows up about 8 o'clock in the morning, and parents drop them off here uh, in the morning, and they have some breakfast, and they, they, we, they wait for the school bus here. And uh, just about bef- a little bit before 8 o'clock, we gather them in the, the mall by the entrance area, and one of us pastors goes and has has a devotional and some prayer with them. And this past week, uh, it was my turn to give them the, the devotional, and I asked them this question that I'm asking you today. Do you remember a time when you, either as a child or even as an adult, when you did something that you knew you weren't supposed to do, but you did it anyway? And how many hands in the, uh, among the children do you think went up? <laughs> More than are going up in the room right now, because the children are being honest about it. Well, I told them a story from my own life when I realized that I was doing something, and I had a problem. And the problem that I had was that even though my parents had told me not to do certain things, I still found myself doing those things. You ever have that problem? Come on, be honest. Yes. And when I was six years old, I discovered that I had that problem. Now, I'm not a brilliant person. I'm not, I, I, I'm not specially gifted. I'm just like everybody else. I have my own abilities that God has given to me, whatever. But as a six-year-old child, I remember that, that I was doing something that mom or dad had said, don't do that, don't do that. I don't know if it was jumping on the couch or jumping on the bed or doing, I don't know what it was that parents had said. Well, whatever it was, I was doing it again because it was fun. I don't know what it was. Again, I said that too many times. But my brother caught me doing it. And you know how brothers are. I was, I'm the youngest of four, so my older brother wanted to get me in trouble. And so he started taunting me, saying, I'm going to tell on Roger. I'm going to tell on Roger. And I didn't want him to tell on me because I didn't want to get in trouble again for the same thing that I'd already gotten in trouble for. So I decided I would outsmart my brother by telling on myself. Because that's the smart thing to do. So I thought. But I also have this ability to talk my way out of being in trouble. To rationalize. To say, it really wasn't my fault because this or this happened and I didn't have a choice on it. Whatever. So I decided I could talk my way out of getting in trouble by going to my mother and confessing what I had done. But I didn't really tell her what I had done. I was smart. I went to mom, and she was in the kitchen. She was washing dishes. Her hands were all soapy. And I went up to her, and I said, Mom, what do we do when we keep doing things that we know we're not supposed to do? Pretty slick, isn't it? I didn't confess. I didn't tell. Kind of. I kind of confessed. And I expected mom to push me and say, What did you do now? But mom didn't. She threw me a curveball. And instead of asking me to fully confess to her what I had done, she told me to do something. She said, go up to your bedroom, kneel beside your bed, and pray and ask Jesus to forgive you. Because if you've disobeyed mom and dad, you've disobeyed God. Ooh, now that's different. (laughs) 
And she still didn't ask me what I did. And so I remember going upstairs, kneeling beside my bed. I don't remember what I prayed. And there were no lightning bolts. There were no flashes. There was no warm feeling that comes over me. Because I said, Jesus, I'm sorry for doing this. Help me not do that anymore. Help me trust mom and dad enough to do what they say. Help me think about the things that mom and dad are guiding me with. And help me do what is right for me and for others. So I went back downstairs and uh, mom was still washing dishes. And I didn't, still didn't confess to mom what I had done. I just went up to mom and I went back to her and I said, I did it. And she took her wet, soapy arms and she put them around my shoulder and she pulled me close to her and just gave me a hug. And I hugged her back. And I have remembered that experience ever since then. That was almost 50 years ago. Almost. (laughs) Not quite. But that's, holy cow, that's half a century. (laughs) Some of us can relate to that feeling and that thought. Mom taught me many things. Both about God, about myself, about community, about the body of Christ, about the church. Confession is good for our souls. Confession brings healing. How did did that confession bring healing to me? What was broken? What was wounded in that experience? Now, that was, it sounds like a rhetorical question, but I'm not asking it as a rhetorical question. What was broken in the experience that I just described to you? What was wounded? What needed healing? Got an answer? Post it online if you're online. What was broken? I can't hear the online people. My relationship with my mother was broken. And I knew that. I had a, I had a, even, even as a six-year-old child, I understood that my relationship with my mother is not what it's supposed to be. And I was feeling guilt. Now, you might argue that I just didn't want the punishment that was coming to me. And so I was just saying this to avoid punishment. Regardless, I didn't want that relationship. I didn't want that relationship of of punishment coming to me. And so I took the initiative to say I've done something wrong. That is a confession. And even to this day, I still can't tell you what I did wrong. But what I do remember is that I was forgiven. What else was broken? My relationship with God. And my mother taught me that if I'm disobeying what 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 mom and dad say, I'm disobeying what God says. And I wanted to experience God's love. And I knew that that separation kept me from experiencing the fullness of God's love in my life. Just as in disobeying mom or dad, I was not fully experiencing the love that they do have for me. They didn't stop loving me, but because of this problem, this disobedience, I couldn't experience the fullness of their love for me. And I needed to confess. And through my confession, Mom showed me the fullness of her love by wrapping her wet, soapy arms around me. 
And she taught me something powerful about God also that I've never forgotten that is true. God has created us in such a way to know that when we have done wrong things, when we have disobeyed God or we have missed the mark as we use as I use often to define what sin is, to miss the mark, God has a way back for us and confessing that we need God, that we have done something wrong, is a key in experiencing that healing. We're not the only ones that have been created in such a way to know that, that uh, something wrong has happened and we need, uh, we need some kind of correction. Even animals. Anybody have a dog? I don't know if this is true with cats, but especially with dogs. Dogs know when, they, when they're in trouble. And a couple uh, videos that I saw on social media just short videos then uh, about a couple dogs that got in trouble. Let's watch those videos. Thea, was it you? It wasn't me. Thea? I swear it was not me. Just Did you knock her down? Oh, God. <laughs> it was. Huh? I, okay. Oh, just look who I'm. Was it short? Oh, how dare you accuse me of such treachery and betrayal. Storm, did you knock? Does our companionship of ten years mean nothing? The fact is, I had no part. Was it you? Yes, it was me. Oh my God! Do first short. You gotta be quick. Who did that? Who did that? <laughs> So God, God created us in such a way so that we, we know when we've done wrong things. Did you do that? No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then we're, we're throwing somebody else under the bus. How dare you betray me? Telling, saying that I'm the one that knocked that plant over. I didn't do it. Yes, I did it. Yes, I did it. We understand and God has given us an ability to get over this problem. It creates a problem not just in the fact that we have broken the law. So yes, the law was broken. But more importantly, the relationship in which we were created to live is destroyed. And that's the problem of sin in our lives. And we've got to confess that. We're going to look at confession this morning. Confession is good for the soul. Why is it good for the soul? Because it brings healing to us. We're going to look at some scriptures, five scriptures this morning that talk about how good confession is for us. And the first scripture we go to comes from the book of James. James chapter 5. I'm going to show you verse 16, but I'm going to start reading at verse 13. And the book of James is a letter that was written by the Apostle James, the, the man who walked with Jesus, the man who talked with Jesus, the man who fished with Jesus, the man that ate with Jesus, the man that we refer to as the brother of Jesus, he wrote these instructions to the early Christians so that they could know how do you live a life following Christ. Very practical instructions. And he says, in, starting in verse 13, he reads this, and we'll get to verse 16 in just a second. He asks the question, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. This is what 
what uh, uh, Fran was referring to in the introduction of our service this morning. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will do what? Heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing comes through confessional prayer. God wants to restore not just our bodies, not just our minds, but our hearts, our relationship with God and with others. And it starts, this section starts, are any of you suffering hardship? Let's go back to my story as a six-year-old. Was I suffering any hardship in that experience? You don't think so? I think I was. If I did not confess, I would experience a greater hardship, most likely. (laughs) But there was something that was moving me to, to anticipate that and to prevent it. In other words, just the, the awareness that of my disobedience was creating a hardship in my mind and in my soul. And that hardship we can call guilt. I knew I was guilty and I was living with my guilt. I had disobeyed mom and dad. probably wouldn't have felt guilt if my brother hadn't caught me doing what I wasn't supposed to do. So now there was accountability. Now there was somebody else watching me. There's always somebody watching us. And if we think that we're hiding anything from others, think again, because you're never hiding anything from God. And God gave us a conscience. And we can, we can hide things so much that we can diminish the power of our conscience that God gave to us. We can do that so often that, that our conscience becomes numb to the guilt that we have. But he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. Many of us are seeking healing without doing the confession (laughs) that comes before it. The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and reduces, produces wonderful results. Let's go to another scripture. This one from the book of 1 John. Flip our pages forward a little bit in the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. John writes, but if we confess our sins to Him, to Christ, to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Three things that God is faithful to do. One, forgive us. And in His faithfulness, He is also just 
Now, we, we understand justice as human beings primarily to be like this. You do this thing wrong, you're going to do this thing to pay for it. An eye for an eye. You pluck out somebody's eye, I'm going to pluck out yours. You hit me over the head, I'm going to hit you over the head. And we call that justice. But that kind of justice never stops the sin. It only has the effect of most of the time creating more sin. God's justice is different. God's justice says, I forgive you. How can God do that? Because punishment or a a sin requires a punishment. That is logical. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So how can God just forgive us and how can we just forgive others? crux of it is Jesus dying for us on the cross. Jesus died on the cross to forgive you. It doesn't take away the sin, but it allows you to live your life without experiencing the full penalty of sin, which is eternal death. And He paid that price for us. And because Jesus paid that price for us, God the, the, the logical consequence of sin is paid by Jesus so that you don't have to experience that. We need to be realistic that in this life there still are consequences to our sin that we may need to live out. But the final punishment, eternal death, we do not because Jesus paid the price. And because Jesus paid the price, that also allows us to show His mercy to other people by giving forgiveness to them. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us, cleanse us from all wickedness. He changes us. His grace comes into our lives. His power comes into our lives. Makes us pure. Because he says, be holy as I am holy. Without Christ, we cannot be that. Without asking him to come into my life and cleanse me, both from my guilt and from my sin, I cannot experience what God wants me to experience. Another scripture. Now we're going to the Old Testament. We look at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 28. Verse 13. 728. Verse 13. Proverbs, most Proverbs are nice and easy to, to hear and, and they make us feel good and there's a lot of wisdom in it. There's also truth. Proverbs 28.13 says, People who conceal their sin will not prosper. People who conceal their sin will not prosper. But if they confess and turn around, that is repent, go the other direction, they will receive mercy. Dangerous territory. 
to talk about women's makeup. <laughs> but I believe there's a product that I've heard about that is a makeup product that women tend to use, a product called concealer. I remember my wife being in the store once looking for her, the, re- replenishing her, her makeup stash. <laughs> and my son was with Carolyn Ryan, and Ryan was seven or eight years old, something like that. And I don't know what motivated Ryan to do this. Carolyn was looking at, looking at different things and taking a long time, and, and Ryan was ready to go, and and Carolyn was complaining about the cost of it and, and that she needed it and she doesn't like to spend too much money on it, but she wants to get the product that works for her. And I'm like, go buy it, dear. Get, get what you're comfortable getting. But I wasn't there to do that. And Ryan heard Carolyn fretting over, over this makeup. And Ryan said to his mother, Mom, you don't need makeup. You're beautiful just the way you are. (laughs) Yay for Ryan. Keep saying that, Ryan. (laughs) But did that stop Ryan? Did that stop Carolyn from getting the makeup? Nope. She had to get that concealer. Why? Because we got to cover up something. (laughs) Whoever conceals their sins does not. Now, I'm not calling makeup a sin, and I'm not saying, Carolyn, I'm making the point that we all try to cover up something. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Now, Pastor Vaughn keeps encouraging me to use farm illustrations because he finds them powerful. (laughs) I'm going to tell the next story that really is kind of gross. So bear with me. And I won't get too graphic. Grew up with it on a dairy farm for several years. And there was a cow, one of, one of our cows had an abscess, had a sore on her hip. And that abscess was underneath the flesh. We don't know what caused it, we don't know how it got there, but it was, it was growing. And it got bigger and bigger, and we could see it start protruding out her skin. And uh, and and there, you know, like like when a person on our we get a we get a we get acne on our face. I can't even say the word zit. That's just too gross. When we get acne on our face. We can see it gets a little red, and then there's the little pocket that's got the pulse pus in it. And and uh, you couldn't see that on a skin on the skin of the cow. You could just see that underneath it was growing. And then it got the size of a golf ball. And then it got the size of a baseball. And then it got the size of a grapefruit. And then it got even larger. And then one day, the cow had bumped up against something in the barn, and it popped. There's that Dr. Pimple Popper on TV. I can't even, I can't even, I can't can't get close to that thing. But this abscess on this cow's hip broke. And it released all that infection that was inside that boil, or whatever you want to call it. It smelled. And it smelled, and it smelled, and it was gross. We had to call the vet, put the cow on antibiotics. It was the nastiest thing that I've ever seen. And all that ick was concealed under the skin. 
And our sin, if we allow our sin to go unconfessed, it will not allow us to prosper. That cow was sick. And sin causes us to be sick in our soul. It breaks our relationship. Whoever conceals their sin will not prosper. Let's go to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 5. Back farther into the Old Testament. This is the law of God. These are the the laws that God gave to Moses. Moses wrote them down. Leviticus chapter 5 verse 5 says, when you become aware of your guilt in any of these ways, you must confess your sin. Let me read some of the the verses just before that verse. And and this is the law that Moses gave to, to God's people. If you are called to testify about something you saw or that you know about, it is sinful to refuse to testify. If you're called to a court of law to to give witness to an accident, the right thing to do is go and give the witness. And God has taught that to His people and said that it is a sin for you to withhold that witness if you are called to give it. He says, if you've seen, know about it, it is sinful to refuse to testify and you will be punished for your sin. Verse 2 says, Or suppose you knowingly touch something that is ceremonially unclean, such as the carcass of an unclean animal. When you realize what you've done, you must admit your defilement and guilt. This is true whether it is a wild animal, domestic animal, or an animal that scurries along the ground. Verse 3, Or suppose you unknowingly touch something that makes a person unclean, When you realize what you've done, you must admit your guilt. Or suppose you make a foolish vow of any kind. What's a foolish vow? Promising to do something that is absolutely stupid. (laughs) Many of us, many of us know the name. Know the say. I swear I will never do that again. I swear I'm going to do this. We often say those in anger, and that is a foolish vow, and it is a sin. Be careful what you say. Suppose you make a foolish vow of any kind, whether its purpose is for good or for bad. When you realize its foolishness, you must admit your guilt. And then verse 5, When you become aware of your guilt in any of these ways, you must confess your sin before the Lord. When does God tell us to confess? Does He tell us to confess when we go into the confessional booth? Does He tell us to confess only when we get caught? Does He tell us to confess only when we come to church before we take communion and then I have to unload all of my sins? No! God tells us to confess when we become aware of our sins. You don't have to wait for somebody to catch you doing wrong before you admit you've done wrong. I didn't have to wait as a six-year-old. I didn't have to wait for my brother to catch me doing that thing to, to admit my guilt. I should have done what was right. I should have had a conscience that said, I'm not doing what mom and dad told me to do. I'm sorry. I'll stop doing this and do what they tell me to do. That's confession. That's repentance. That's what God is teaching and has been teaching us to do. 
Psalm 32. Now we'll go to the Psalm 32. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm. Yeah, where's Psalm? Proverbs, Psalm, Psalms, Proverbs 32. <laughs> I said I would mark my Bible, but I didn't. Psalm 32, verse 3. It's a f- getting close to the end. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Don't live with your guilt. Confess it. Get rid of it. Trust Jesus. He died on the cross for you in order that you could be healed and be released from that guilt and be empowered by His Spirit to live a holy, clean, pure life. Can't do it without Jesus. I think of Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is King David's confession after... (laughs) Here's what King David did. King David was one day looking out over his balcony in the springtime. And as he looked down over his kingdom, he saw a woman named Bathsheba bathing in her home. And she was beautiful. And he desired to have her. But Bathsheba was married. Married to one of his, the commanders of David's army. So David created this plot from his lust to his desire. He made a plan to act on it. And his plan was to have Bathsheba. And so he said, bring her to me. Because his, her husband was off at war. And he knew that he was not around. So he brought Bathsheba to her and he slept with her. And she got pregnant. And now he knew that his sin would be uncovered. And so he plotted another plan. He said, have her husband come. Have her husband come away from the front for some R&R. So Uriah was his name. And he came back to the capital because he was called back by King David. And he said, what do you need? And King David told him, I just want you to have some rest. Go enjoy the weekend with your wife. And Uriah went to his house, but he felt guilty for resting while the soldiers under his command were still at battle. So instead of sleeping with his wife, he stayed at his doorstep and slept outside. And he refused to go in to his wife. And then he went back to the front. David's got another problem. He's still trying to cover over his sin. And so now... Uriah is back at the front. David calls another of his commanders and he gives them these orders. He says to this commander, I want you to go and give the orders for Uriah's army to push forward to the front of the battle. And when Uriah's commander, his part of the army, can't think of the right words, gets up front, I want everybody else to pull back leaving Uriah and his men out front to be slaughtered by the enemy. And that's exactly what happened. David plotted for the murder of his 
commander. David gets away with it for a while. The prophet Nathan is sent by God to tell David this little story about a a man, a very wealthy man, who has many sheep. And one day that wealthy man had visitors come. And that man didn't want to give up one of his sheep, didn't want to slaughter one of his sheep to serve his guest. So that man stole a sheep from his neighbor's pasture in order to feed to his guest. That's wrong. And Nathan told that story to David. And David reacted with great anger. And he said, that man, that wealthy man should be killed for what he did. And Nathan turns to David and says, you are that man. David weeps. David's sin is brought out front. And he realizes that what he did to Uriah to cover over his sin has come full circle. And he will not prosper. So David writes this confession. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Don't let your sin haunt you day and night. Confess it. Let God's love wash over you, making you new in everything. For I recognize my rebellion. Verse 4 says, Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment to me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even in the womb. God has created us to know right from wrong. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from Your presence and don't take Your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of Your salvation and make me willing, make me willing to obey You. Are you willing to obey God? You can't obey God if you're not willing. So start with a prayer that says, God, make me willing because what You're telling me to do, I don't want to do it. But Jesus, make me willing. And then I will teach Your ways to rebels. And they will return to You Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. And then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. It is time to confess our sins before God. That is my invitation to you today.
as we come this morning to receive this sacrament, this sacrifice that Jesus has done for us, it is right for us to take moments and say, God, what do I need to confess? So let's pray as we prepare to receive this sacrament. Dear Heavenly Father, in Your mercy, in Your justice, You have sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, who on that night was betrayed, He took the bread, gave thanks to You, broke it, gave it to Your disciples and said, Take, eat, this is My body given for You. And that night, when He was about to shed His own blood to pay the penalty for our sins, He took the cup and gave thanks for the cup. Gave it to His disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. I am pouring out My blood for the forgiveness of sins. And whenever you drink this, remember Me. O Holy Spirit, in these moments, speak to us. What is it that I need to confess to You today? name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. O Holy Spirit, pour your new life into me, into us. Pour your presence into this gift of bread, this gift of juice from the vine, that it may be for us your cleansing in our lives the nourishment of new life that You give to us. Help us, by Your Holy Spirit, be willing to obey all Your laws. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our leader. We've got gluten-free communion here. Pastor Vaughn, would you come and and pass the gluten-free cups to anyone who needs gluten-free? Just raise your hand if you desire gluten-free. Others of us, let's take the cup that was on your seat or on the table in front of you. Peel open the, the plastic clear cellophane on top to take the piece of bread, the wafer, out the top. This is the body of Christ given broken for you. Let's take and eat and be thankful. And peel open the foil beneath the bread. Open the cup. The cup of new life. The cup of salvation. Let's take and drink with gratitude. Jesus, we thank You for Your mercy which You give to us. Cleanse our thoughts. Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our bodies. Restore us to that new and everlasting life that You have for us. 
Give us your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's continue with prayer as the the team leads us in a song. You may come here and pray at the uh, platform area. You can come to pray with uh, others can pray with you at the prayer stations. There are others online who can pray uh, with you. If you click the prayer button, let's continue just in prayer, letting God minister to us through his grace in Jesus name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we continue to worship today? As pastor said, the front area is open. There'll be people at the prayer stations to minister to you. God, we just want to be in your presence today. There's no sweeter place than we can be. Hallelujah. Found in your hands fullness of joy every fear suddenly wiped away. Here in your presence
thank you for that promise. That in your presence, everything bows before you. So Lord, remind all of us that have been down to the front today to pray or praying with a prayer counselor at the prayer stations or praying right there where they are at their seat or right there at home where they're praying this morning that there is nothing that is greater than the name of the Lord. There is nothing greater than the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So Lord, as we sang just a second ago, here in your presence, we are undone. Sometimes, Lord, we need to be, sometimes, God, I need to be saved and delivered from me. From my expectations, from the way things I think they should go, from my disappointments, from my struggles. Deliver me from me today, God, so that I can be filled with you. Let your Holy Spirit go with us today and every day, strengthening us and guiding us, helping us to live for you and love people the way you love them. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today online. Our uh, counselors, our, our hosts will be on for another 15 minutes or so if you need someone to pray with you. The front is still open. God bless you. Have a great week.